0: The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media.
1: You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. Sting! Okay! It's it's Sting!
0: This is where the big
1: boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. Gonna put some butts in the seat. (laughs) Self high five! We've
0: been hanging and banging, brother!
1: You're next! Watch real monsters go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Woo! Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW look back podcast, and also a WCW Back podcast that owes you all an apology. This episode is a few days late. Uh, real life sometimes gets in the way. I blame Danny. He's incredibly unorganized. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Of course I don't. It was all me. It was all me. But mentioning the fella there, who he is, the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are we doing today, sir?
0: I'm really good. Thank you, sir. I, and I thought you was apologizing because of that uh, dreadful paper
1: we just set through and what... Oh, mate, I'll tell you what, this Nitro, I mean, it's a spoiler alert, it's a straight off the bat, we were talking just before we pressed the little red button, this Nitro here almost makes up for that terrible pay-per-view we just watched. Almost. Almost. Oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't quite cover it. It doesn't quite cover it, but almost. Yeah. (laughs) The episode of Nitro in Question first aired on the 25th of March, 1996 from Huntsville, Alabama. And the TV ratings for this show were Monday Night Raw scoring a 2.8 and Nitro with another win, a 3.1, which is interesting considering they're just coming off the back of that shite pay-per-view, Danny.
0: I knew you was gonna to allude to that side. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um maybe they were just very curious to see what what exactly happened after the steel
1: cage um, monstrosity that we saw. Well yeah, interestingly enough though, obviously Hogan was a massive prominent figure on the pay-per-view, massive prominent figure in the main event. He's not here this week.
0: Yeah, they found that really, really odd. It was like um
1: What was he doing? Maybe he was just so disgusted by the pay-per-view himself, he just walked out. (laughs) No, I bet he was sat at the back just counting all that money he got paid for that shit show. Um, Now, I mean, (laughs) Hogan was only contracted for a certain number of dates a year, wasn't he? So he didn't have to work every TV or every Nitro or anything like that. So that would be the reason why he's probably not on television this week. Or he's away filming a god-awful film. Who knows? But there we go. <laughs> the <laughs> episode begins as it always does with our commentary team of Mongo McMichael, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Eric Bischoff. And we're told, as Pepe the Dog sits there dressed as a cow, we are told that we have three title matches this week, Danny. Amazing.
0: I mean, maybe they I think I feel like this is W apologising to us, so si
1: yeah i mean that, that's i think that's gonna be like a running theme through our coverage of this episode of nitro because i don't I, i'm not saying that they necessarily thought the pay-per-view was dog dirt and they're putting this on to try and counteract that but i think that if you look at the pay-per-view there was only one title match maybe they're thinking okay we'll get the title matches on the nitro now instead because we didn't have it on the pay-per-view and i, I don't know i don't know but Yes, we have three title matches. The United States Championship will be defended by Conan as he goes up against JL or Mr. JL. I'm not sure if they've dropped the Mr. or bought it back. It seems to chop and change quite often. Uh, Who we all know is actually just Jerry Lynn in a really bad Wish.com Rey Mysterio dress-up. We also have the American Males challenging Stian Luger for the World Tag Team title. And the Giant faces Ric Flair for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. But we begin with macho man Randy Savage because he doesn't need time off after you know waltzing through a cage of 27 other blokes, and he is facing the Belfast Bruiser who apparently made a complete mess of William Regal at the pay per view. Danny,
0: yeah, I was quite shocked by that. The announcers really put that over, didn't they, during um, uh, Belfast Bruiser's entrance? I thought that was really cool. So I was carrying on from the pay per view rather than just wiping the slate clean, but I found this is very much like a few weeks ago when me and you were talking about Chris Benoit versus Macho Man. It's a match that I never thought happened. I I never heard about the Belfast Bruiser versus Randy Savage, but I was really, really impressed with it.
1: You know what? I thought the same when they were both after their entrances and they both stood in the ring uh, across from each other just before the match starts. I'm thinking. I didn't know that this ever happened because Finley, obviously Belfast Bruiser, around for a very long time, probably wrestled everyone you can think of at some point in his career. But he versus Savage isn't something that I ever thought I would A, seek out or B, come across accidentally.
0: Yeah, I had that same feeling, sir.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Belfast Bruiser kind of carries on where he left off on the pay-per-view against Regal, which is a very sort of, Uh, stiff, hard hitting contest. He does that similar sort of style because that's how he works. Obviously very early on, he's in control earlier on and he's hitting Savage with lots of these, these big, I suppose, European style forearms, these uppercuts and so on. And we get one that hits Savage and Savage turns to the camera and his eyes are rolling in his head. I mean, the the, the the majority of this match is quite a short television match. It's only about four or five minutes long. But the majority of this match is the Belfast Bruiser beating on Savage. How good is Randy Savage at taking an ass kicking? there?
0: really, really tremendous. I mean, you said it best side. The majority is uh, Bruiser just getting the offense, and I was shocked I, I, when I turned this on. I was thinking, oh, this is much a man squashing uh, Bruiser here. But yeah, as you said, it was just. It, much a man Selin's ability is just fantastic.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned the Benoit match as well from a few weeks back. I kind of feel this is, this is quite similar. It's almost like Savage is going to win. We know Savage is going to win this match because he is a, of a certain stature on the card uh, as opposed to some of his opponents he's facing at this time. But Savage, he basically just takes everything they've got, makes them look very good, but then completely out of the blue hits his top rope elbow and wins the match.
0: Yeah, I found that odd. He kind of just had a couple of kicks in and then did a sidestep and then,
1: as you said, just got his shit in and then win. And it it was kind of like a bit of an odd finish. Yeah, it did seem to come out of nowhere, really. But at the same time, I suppose the Belfast Bruiser here looked very strong because he spent the majority of the contest beating Savage Dane. Whereas one mistake cost him the match, I suppose, is the story they're trying to tell. And again, Savage, he looks great taking an ass-kicking. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed this opener, Danny.
0: Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, I can't wait to see what they do with Belfast Bruiser next. Maybe he'll be getting a push soon. I hope he gets a haircut. Definitely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, after the opening contest here, though, we get an advert for Mean Jeans Hotline. With him sneaking around like a little weird, bold, pervy dude, uh, hiding in dressing rooms and swimming pools that we've we've discussed on the show before. Quite a clever little uh, promo, really, for the hotline because it's like him listening in on conversations and getting like backstage secrets, I suppose, to to reveal on his hotline that charges you know three weeks' worth of of wages for you know a two-minute call. So, yeah, what do you think of these little vignettes, these little promos, Danny?
0: I really enjoy them because they've put they've put effort into this, and it's not just like a little screen on top and says, "Oh, call this number to hear the backstage gossip." They've actually gone out with a camera crew and found locations, and Mean Gene has always comedy. It. it reminds me of um, prime time wrestling. You'd see something uh, like this on there where they're going, uh, Bobby Heenan and Mean Gene, or Lord Alfred Hayes are going away and off uh, out of the arena, and so it's really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a great show, actually, Primetime Wrestling. Yeah, that's a great show. I didn't even make that link myself. You're spot on, though. You are spot on.
0: Well, Vince Russo said it best. He said, anytime you can get a wrestling personality outside of the arena or backstage arena, um, it's a lot better. It allows more character development
1: as well. Yeah, okay. That's a good show. Fair enough. Uh, we do see a bit more Mean Gene here, but this is back in the arena, because he's going to interview Ric Flair. Uh, Ric Flair comes out with Woman and Miss Elizabeth. Woman is carrying the world title. Miss Elizabeth is carrying a wad of cash. Flair is wearing his green and gold robe and strutting and wooing. And I think Flair is just, he's on absolute top form on this TV show this week. I think he is just absolutely spot on. Sometimes Flair's promos can go a bit too animated and a bit too crazy. But here you get over the top, larger than life Ric Flair without it getting into that point where you can't really understand what the hell he's on about.
0: Yeah, definitely. He was uh, on point here because we've got two major points where he was so angry at Lex Luger for betraying him at the pay-per-view and tonight he was going to slay the giant size. So will he do that?
1: Well, we'll have to wait and see. But with regards to Luger, he asks the ladies questions and I loved this as well because he's bringing them. I mean, they're part of his presentation. Like. I'm not saying that the, the, the lady personalities here are just props, but they are part of his presentation. They're an extension of the Ric Flair character. So when he brings them into the interview or into a promo uh, and gets them involved, I enjoy that so much because it's making use of these, uh, these ladies who are really adding to the Ric Flair persona. And he asks a uh, woman who is more man no sorry he asked liz doesn't he who is more man he or luger and she says well obviously you rick and then he asks woman who has the better body (laughs) which is obviously it goes without saying it's obviously lex luger but she responds well you champ I i loved it i loved everything about it
0: yeah that was brilliant i mean that's just classic heel shit isn't it yeah so good so good
1: uh, next up then, we have our first title match of the evening. We have Mr. JL or JL or Jerry Lynn or whatever versus Conan for the United States Championship. We're told as the match begins that Brian Pillman cancelled appearing at Uncensored at the 11th hour because he didn't want anything to do with Kevin Sullivan.
0: That was very odd. Um, I thought it was because he didn't want to uh, be a part of that craptacular main event but
1: (laughs) well that was that was that was the shoot reason the real reason pillman didn't turn up was because he didn't want hogan to roll over him and be be a part of that nonsense uh but they're obviously trying to make a positive out of a negative here and trying to spin it in a way that could i suppose add to the tension between the dungeon of doom and the four horsemen which i can't believe is still a bloody thing but yes there we go but that's kind of trying, trying to put a spin on it i guess
0: yeah, definitely. Um it it adds it definitely adds to the story, but it's like,
1: are we gonna hear from Pillman again? I'm not sure we are. I, I can't remember exactly. I I know a couple of weeks ago on, on Nitro Nights on, on the show here, I said, That's it, we don't see Pillman again. However, I they're still exactly. mentioning him.
0: Yeah. I found that odd, but maybe mm. maybe it'll lead to something cool. Let's yeah. see it play out
1: yeah well again i think there is a strong possibility that we don't ever see pillman on WWE tv again and this is them just kind of you know sowing the seeds and he then negotiates his release to go and uh, you know add to the loose cannon character before turning up in ecw and then signing for the wwe and all this sort of stuff and you know it's, it's a fascinating story pillman's character at this point was was so intriguing but I, I'm, I'm not sh- i'm not sure we do i was adamant a few weeks ago that, that was it so I, I want to try and back myself to be correct, but <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure, mate. Okay, then. So the match itself starts with some some very good wrestling. To be fair, we have lots of wrist locks, lots of arm drags, counter for counter, and so on. And again, we spoke very briefly before we pressed the record button for today's episode of Nitro Knights. And we we both agreed, Danny, didn't we? This is probably the best Conan has looked since we started our watchback. How do you how do you think this match went? And talk us through some of your. Your more favourite points of it? It was
0: very fluid. I found, um, it, like before, we've seen Conan just kind of look like he's not bothered with turning his camera to the uh, his back to the camera. Sorry, um, and kind of things like that, where it's like, oh, especially after that pay per view finish, it was just like, is Conan even motivated anymore? Mm. And then here we are the next night, and he's putting on a brilliant match with uh, Mister JL. So I was very very impressed with him.
1: Yeah. I think it's a funny one, Conan, because he's, he's, he's too big to, to be a proper sort of Mexican luchador, I suppose is the term, isn't it? But at the same time, he can still fly. He can still move around. But then he's built like a heavyweight, but still dresses like a, a Mexican cruiserweight. He's a real kind of hybrid of different things, all meshed into one, isn't he?
0: Yeah, and that's what makes him unique as well. And plus, he has a great promo ability as well.
1: Mm, yeah okay uh we hear that randy savage is backstage going absolutely ballistic because elizabeth is walking around with with his money and flair is running his mouth and he wants rick flair and he's kicking down a door and so on Bischoff says they're going to try and get a camera backstage which they never actually do but i don't mind that because this is a title match and i mean i don't i'm not a big fan of cameras going backstage to look at something when a match is going on in the ring anyway I i think it's unfair to the people who are out in the ring trying to entertain everybody but it would also have been very belittling uh, and almost uh, disrespectful to the United States Championship I feel if all of a sudden they cut backstage to something that was going on there so I like the way that WCW and Bischoff here mentioned it on commentary but then came back to the match Danny
0: yeah, that was really, really cool. That's something I feel like me and you are going to have to sit through a lot of because late 90s wrestling was all about the backstage, wasn't it? Especially in WWF and WWF. It was like, oh, we have to cut backstage. Someone's brawling in the back with uh, tables and catering and things like that. We've seen a couple of moments like that so far, but I feel it's going to get
1: progressively worse. Uh, I'm sure we will find out. I'm sure we will find out. Uh, Conan at one stage puts on a really a really smart, a really, a really clever looking, almost like a surfboard, but there's a variation to it. Rather than just syncing up the guy's arms and legs to his arms and legs, he crosses his opponent's legs over so he can almost tie them up with only one of his own. And then he uses his other knee and then eventually his foot in his opponent's back as well. I'm not 100% sure I've ever seen anything like that before. And I thought it was really, really good.
0: Yeah, that was really, really. It stood out really, really well. There's a name for it, but I can't f- remember what it is. Um, somebody did it in TNA a lot, and uh, it was like that's such a unique move. But especially here
1: for the mid '90s, it's really, really cool to see. Danny, with the amount of facts and wrestling knowledge that fill that tiny little head of yours, you know, I'm amazed that you can even remember anything. Sometimes with how much, I imagine how many names of moves you have to go through just to remember one in particular. So yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. I'm sure you will have it for us for next week, my friend. Um, definitely.
0: Definitely. <laughs> the,
1: the next thing we see as well is a, a full Nelson by JL. No, sorry, a full Nelson by Conan, apologies. And he's lifting his smaller opponent up into the air. That looked quite cool. But JL kind of drops out of it and turns that into an arm drag. That, that to me was spe- pretty spectacular as well. JL's getting a lot of um, offense in this match, isn't he? Yeah, Definitely definitely and i mean the speed quickens up again here before we get a top rope drop kick by jl now i don't know what you saw here danny but to me either conan is one of the best wrestlers in the world at the art and it is an art of selling or he got proper walloped in the back of the noggin and he's out. he's out of it here because i think after this drop kick he doesn't look right he looks a bit Uh, glassy eyed, maybe he looks a little bit like misty in the face. He at one point goes to climb the ropes, but he goes in the ring, out the ring because he doesn't quite know what he's doing. He seems a little bit lost at times, and JL has to remind him of what's going on. I I think he's proper at his bell around here.
0: Yeah, I think I think this is, um, a sign of like a concussion, possibly, or or something like that. Just, um, it goes back to that thing where people I can't remember who it was. Somebody said. Uh, there's no such thing as a mild concussion. And I think that I feel like that's here because like that definitely looked very, very nasty. Mm.
1: You can see certain moments where I think he's literally working on, on effectively muscle memory. Or you can see other moments where JL is kind of guiding him to where they need to be next. There's a few pinfall attempts where Conan isn't quite sure about kicking out. The referee has to react in a certain way. Or he goes for a pin that maybe he's not supposed to. He, he, he's a bit of a space cadet in the last couple of minutes of this match, isn't
0: he? Yeah, he is. And um, I feel like that's possibly why, why we've got this finish. Um, I can't say it's an odd finish, but it's um, something that I wouldn't have seen, expected out of Conan before.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a power bomb kind of effort, isn't it? From He grabs Jay Allen and slams him down, but then does like a roll through to hook his legs with a neck bridge, um, but doesn't manage to keep his own shoulders off the mat either, which is quite interesting because that could have been, you know. But again, if a guy's had a proper knock to the head and maybe even passed out for a moment or two, you can't begrudge him. He's done a great job to get through the rest of the match in itself and Conan obviously retains. But yeah, like I said, I got a note here saying, I think this is the best Conan match we've seen so far. Absolutely agreed with that. It was like, yeah, hopefully this, uh,
0: pushes Conan to get more motivated.
1: Mm, Yeah. Potentially, uh, from something that we both seem to have enjoyed to something that I'm going to be 99% certain. In fact, I'd be willing to put this week's rent on the line and say you didn't like this next match
0: you're 100 right sir. you can keep your end. um this was a mess uh this was a battle of the gimmicks wasn't it
1: it was we have scottish danny's favorite the booty man versus scottish danny's second favorite the disco inferno uh the boot i mean basically i've got two notes for this match that is it there's nothing else <laughs> I've got a few. <laughs> okay, you you carry on then. Let's hear let's hear your thoughts on this.
0: Well, before the match actually begins, we have a giant announcement. Sire, a major announcement. Did you catch what Eric Bischoff said during Disco Inferno's entrance? No. Well, today is the first day of the first ever Nitro party that WSW did. So this is where it started. The 25th oh. of March, 1996, we had our first Nitro party airing. Um, And we've seen like a couple of uh, college kids uh, partying and things like that. And it was interesting that you had to send videotapes into Dove's W of yourself partying and watching Nitro. I think that was really, (laughs) really
1: unique. What did you think of that concept, Si? I love the idea because I I think that uh, that that sort of thing, I I suppose it's trend-setting peer pressure. I'm not not 100% sure how you'd word it, but that sort of thing. If you get two or three people who have a group of you together having a few drinks, having a bit of grub and seemingly in a 10 second video clip having fun and then you get that put on a live television broadcast, you only need a couple of them before everybody else watching goes, I want to do that too. And all of a sudden, all your fans are sending in videotapes because it escalates from there and then people tuning in are basically thinking you know say somebody tunes in for the first time they're thinking oh wow look at this everyone all over the country is partying whilst they watch this show this means this show must be great i must watch and it, it's almost like a in a way it's quite a clever marketing tool i think
0: yeah i mean i i liked it um i, I there's a i think there's a video on daily motion that has like the best of nitro parties i like how you said that because it's true. It's like you up the viewership as well because people will be like, "Oh, this has to be happening. Maybe this is the key to their um, ratings win."
1: Yes, yeah, not Hogan. It's not the NWO. It's drunk college kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but unfortunately, we have to get back to this match. Um, mm. My notes consist of, "Good Lord, who book, who booked this?" Um, <laughs> Disco Inferno uh, actually sold well during this match. I have to say that um booty girl arrives she slaps booty's ass which is uh wasn't nice to see (laughs) and um yeah it was it was it was a very odd match to be honest Mm. with you um and then we have booty man hits his high knee for the one two three mercifully one two three (laughs) but then yeah it's uh i also wrote oh no Bobby heenan made a great quote uh about um Oh, yeah, about, uh, about the booty girl. He said uh, she should be arrested for impersonating a lampshade.
1: Yeah, she was wearing some very unique clothing, wasn't she? Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when the booty bay booty girl, but basically it's Kimberly. when she gives the booty man's backside, upon his request, mind, when she gives the booty man's backside a bit of a slap, he sells that more than any of Disco Inferno's offense at all. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Yeah, my note literally just says, Booty babe, oh dear, butt slaps, butt rubs, high knee, Booty Man wins. That's pretty much it, sir, to be honest with you. What a, f- what a waste of air time. I'm uh,
0: surprised these two weren't a tag team, to be honest with you.
1: wow, well, yeah. Yeah, the less said about these, the better. I mean, to be honest, I mean, the Booty Man, he can get in the bin, okay? The same as the Zodiac, the same as all that other stuff, he can get in the bin. However disco inferno i'm not gonna say i'm a fan of but at least his gimmick seems to be you know at least partially over that music hits and i'm i'm humming it i'm like yeah okay and then he he does the dancing and he's getting a reaction whether that's getting booed or you're seeing people in the crowd disco dancing along with him something there seems to be working for him the booty man is just an absolute fucking disgrace (laughs) <laughs> very very true but
0: yeah disco inferno is like I mean, there's a reason he lasted that long in w i mean he had to be doing something right and um his selling is probably my favorite thing about disco inferno
1: oh mine's his entrance thing <laughs> it's certainly not his dancing is it <laughs> it's, it's not it's not i mean i can't dance to save my life mate but yeah it's not a good life. me too <laughs> <laughs> I'm Connor McCabe from the Connor Knows Soccer YouTube channel. I just want to tell you about my new show, Connor Knows Horror, coming to you each Tuesday on the SJP World Media Network. Connor Knows Horror is a show for all horror fans dedicated to give you a brief plot summary and number grade with the main goal of you checking out the movie for yourself. Beware, spoilers are included. You can follow me on Twitter at Connor Knows Footy for all your football or soccer needs. And you can follow my personal account at Connor McCabe. However, we get back to the more serious stuff straight afterwards. We have the American males, Scotty Riggs and Marcus Bagwell taking on Sting and Luger for the WCW World Heavyweight title. And I'm just going to say this right now, straight off the bat, Lex Luger is absolute gold here.
0: We're really enjoying him. Uh, I'm so glad he seems to be back to a baby face, or so we see. Um, so it seems. I mean, during that entrance, I've seen this entrance in, in gift form before.
1: He was, uh, he was like putting on the front, wasn't he? Yeah, it was brilliant. As, as Sting comes out, Sting's leading the way down, and Sting is doing the usual. You know, I mean, this is Surfer Sting era, even though he's not got the bleached hair anymore. He's like proper baby face, big smiley face touching all the fans hands high-fiving all the fans in the aisle when he turns round Luger puts on a big cheesy shit-eating grin and pretends to be doing the same thing the moment Sting turns away again Luger is telling people not to touch him he's looking down at the floor trying to bring his arms as close to his body as he can so the fans won't touch him it's just bloody brilliant So good. It's this is peak Lex Luger to me. To be honest with you, this is. I mean, this character work is so good. Mm. Well, peak Lex Luger, mate. That's a conversation for a whole other day. But we're gonna. We ain't got time for that. This is nineteen (laughs) ninety six. We ain't got time to cover that. Uh.
0: (laughs) Just, just going back to what you said, sir, a minute ago. You said the the uh sentence now we get back to some more serious stuff the american males
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah you're right you're right to pull me up on that that was that was a mistake on No, my, right? that, that, tickled, that tickled me that was brilliant so. <laughs> oh dear uh luger is also wrestling with with quite heel tendencies as well we see him uh, striking his opponents in the eyes we see him almost effectively cowering away at certain moments trying to get away from his opponent Uh eventually we get a moment on the outside where Luger is attacking one of his opponents on the floor and Sting runs round and drags him back to his corner before Luger then tags out we see Sting and Bagwell in the ring and I thought these two worked really well together for the few minutes they were in the ring together I thought it looked very very good
0: yeah, I mean, I was shocked uh, Marcus got a few big power
1: moves on Sting, and I was quite shocked that he got that much in. So that was really cool to see. And they were pushing the whole uh, Sting has helped train Bagwell thing as well. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but... It was I've never
0: interesting... heard that in my life. <laughs> no, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's quite an interesting little added uh, added layer to the match, though, I guess. Yeah, Sting and Bagwell are wrestling away, and Sting gets the better of Bagwell. And they're very sporting, they applaud each other. Luger tags in and then just wails the shit out of Bagwell, right, caring. He's kicking him whilst he's on the floor. He's punching his in the back of the head when he's not even looking at him. Again, complete contrast to how Sting was being very sporty with the match. Eventually, we get a few more back and forth before Sting pins Scotty Riggs with a very, very high crossbody block. And then we got more of this kind of contrast between Sting and Luger in this odd mix tag team as sting is trying to raise the arms of his opponents for a job well done you're unlucky this time lads but you know well done and all this sort of stuff and they're applauding sting luger's pissed off halfway down the aisle with his booze title belts and celebrating on his own and it's again (laughs) just another little layer to how sting and luger they they have this success together but things aren't all as they seem are they
0: no definitely not they're not as sting sees it we're, we're seeing it from both um wrestlers point of views but i think this is fantastic storytelling and i'm really excited to see where this goes next
1: mm, yeah i mean and again we seem to say this every single time we see see sting and luger what's going to happen next what's going to happen next and that is fantastic storytelling it, it's brilliant booking because it makes me look forward to watching nitro next week to see what happens next week. And when you've got direct competition on the other channel, that's great.
0: Definitely, mate. I mean,
1: we're we're just, we're just enjoying these weeks, aren't we? (laughs) We are definitely. Yeah. Uh, That takes us to our main event of the evening for the WCW world heavyweight championship, the giant versus Ric Flair. Uh, (laughs) The giant comes out to the dungeon, the doom theme and the green lighting and so on uh, with Jimmy Hart but he looks incredibly imposing, as he always does. I mean, the guy's seven foot odd, and he's, he's just a huge fella. So it, it, he looks very intimidating coming down with the green lighting behind him. Flair comes out with the title belt under his robe again, which is fine, because at least we've actually got the title belt this time. Woman and Liz, either side of him, are throwing Savage's money to the fans. Brilliant. I, I mean, on one hand, it's brilliant because it's it's a, it's, it's proper he or shit. So they're throwing Savage's money away. So you're, you're supposed to like dislike them for that. But on the other side of the coin, the fans are loving it because they're getting free money. <laughs> I thought that was excellent. What a baby face turn there.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you see whose name was on the championship once again, sir? Oh, I did not. It's the macho man's name is still there.
1: For goodness sake. what? what? <laughs> oh. At least it's not Hogan's this time.
0: Yeah, very true. But I mean, could that be a sign of things to come?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, they just changed the name. It's two screws for crying out loud. You know, it's not all like it's...
0: <laughs> it's, it's just so weird. It's like all these weeks we've been what we've been complaining about this. I mean, they could have just done this, like like you said, two screws, ten minute job, if that.
1: Yeah, it, I I, don't, I cannot get my head around it. When you look at Nitro and you think how. Hey, I suppose the production levels of nitro here in March going into April of 96 in comparison to the WWF nitro looks pretty edgy and cool to me. The arenas are a bit darker, but there's lots of clever, flashy lighting. There's the fireworks. There's the cool entrance way. It looks more, I suppose, appealing to younger viewers, especially than what you were getting on the other channel with with where they were broadcasting raw from at this time. And that looked a little bit more cartoony a bit more whatever nitro here to me is a bit more of an adult presentation but also i think because the lights and the attraction and the characters you're going to attract younger viewers at the same time when it comes down to the whole different levels of production though the wwf would not have that happen there's no way on earth that would that would happen with the name plates
0: No, absolutely not. I mean, I'm trying to think back now. I've never seen that happen in WWF or WWE. I mean, Mm. it just wouldn't happen. I mean, nowadays you have, um, when a wrestler wins a championship, straight away on YouTube, you see them getting their nameplates in and them celebrating with a photo shoot or something like that. They could have really done with that in 1996 here in WCW.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I agree, mate. I totally agree. (laughs) Uh, During this entrance, however, we do see the the named champion on the belt of Macho Man Randy Savage. He runs out, but is held back by security that apparently WWE security now consists of Eddie Guerrero and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So, I mean, I, I'll tell you what, to be fair, Eddie Guerrero, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, that's a TV show that I'd watch. Like a, 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 a sitcom of the pair of them just living together for a week or something. I would watch that show.
0: Oh, that would be so brilliant, sir. to be honest with you. The character work on that would
1: be fantastic because they're so polar opposites, aren't they? I bet Duggan would do loads of stuff that would piss Guerrero off and then Guerrero would just go off on him all the time because he was quite fiery, wasn't he? I would watch that show. Definitely. It's it's a shame. It's a shame it's not going to happen. It's like WCW at the time just didn't think, you know, we could have these two guys working as a security team Going around from building to building. Maybe security guards in a, a shopping centre or something. Yeah, yeah. think of the comedy potential. But nope, another opportunity missed by WCW. But yes, <laughs> they're, hold- they're holding back Randy Savage as he is trying to get at Flair and Elizabeth and all the rest of it. And I liked this because he didn't get them. It builds interest for next
0: week. Where is much a Man going to attack from next? Um, this is
1: something that was really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, how many times, especially in modern-day wrestling, do you see the the, the pull-apart brawl, I guess, building to something? And it doesn't matter how many yellow-shirted security guards you have, the police involved even, whatever, the wrestlers still manage to fight their way out of it and get him. I mean, it's just not really that realistic. Unless you're a Brock Lesnar and you're an absolute monster who can just smash through people. It's just not very realistic. So seeing the security here actually managed to withhold the macho man from doing what he wants to do. And then obviously, Flair goes up and taunts him a bit, and and so on. I thought that was great.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those wrestling tropes that have. Um, it's just they've used way too many. I mean, it seemed like for. All the 2010s, every Raw episode leading up to a pay-per-view was uh, a wrestler uh, and another wrestler brawling and then them flattening the cops. And then six months later, the cops would be on the the roster because they were just trainees from uh, the school.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah. Vince backstage going, I like the way that security guard fell over there. Sign him! Bruce, that's the (laughs) contracts. God, God.
0: I mean, it's how MJF started, isn't it? He started as a backstage uh, security guard who got pushed by Samoa Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's true, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We see straight away when the match begins here the size difference. And I think that this is... I think this is a Ric Flair masterclass. I know people are going to go, oh, yeah, you're biased because you just love Flair. He's your guy. But honestly, this is a Ric Flair masterclass. I said at the start of the show, that with, with Flair's interview and so on, that Flair was on top form this week. I would take that now into this as well. In the ring, he is so good. He plays up on the size difference straight away. He then uh, gets pushed by the giant, but bumps really hard for him just from a push. He tries a few shoulder barges, but it's basically the giant is just standing there, and Flair is running the ropes, hitting the giant, bumping, getting up, doing it again. The giant has to do nothing, and Flair is making him look incredible. It, honestly, this is so good from Ric Flair all the way through this match, isn't it?
0: It really is. That's one of my first notes I wrote in this match. Is this match feels important despite the rushed um, sort of build-up because they've had about less than 24 hours build-up for this. But it felt really, really important, especially when they were facing off. As you said, side it was like, wow, like this mm-hmm. is something. This was definitely one of Ric Flair's best matches
1: I just think he did so well working with the giant and making him, I mean, the, the giant, I, I suppose we're going to jump ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but we'll come back and cover some other points as well. The giant at one point tries to splash from the top rope and also takes a crazy bump or he runs to the corner and, and jumps. And basically he doesn't even just, he doesn't even tangle in the ropes and fall out the ring. He clears the ropes and the ring post. A guy that big doesn't have to do that. A guy that big can get away with just being a bloody massive dude. You know, and Flair up until that point is getting so much from the giant with the giant having to do so little. It's so simple, but so effective.
0: Definitely. I mean, especially after um, the giant wrestled um, uh, Loch Ness the night before, he, he definitely
1: had his working boots on for this, didn't he? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a moment where uh, Ric Flair takes a press slam and he comes down from God knows how high in the air. That was a real big drop. Uh, the giant no-sells some of Flair's chops, to which Flair, of course, drops to his knees and starts begging for, for help, which, again, fantastic chicken heel shit stuff. It's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, Flair, at one point, leaves, is walking away. He drops onto his knees, and the giant comes back and grabs him by the hair from behind. And Flair's facial expression changes from one of exhaustion and almost uh, relaxation in a way because he's getting away to pure panic and the fear in his eyes when the giant grabs his hair again just gets over how how dangerous an opponent this guy is just with that one facial expression of Ric Flair's these little things make such a difference to the whole storytelling that that's going on here I mean the giant don't get me wrong the giant is playing his part too of course he is I mean Flair can do all of this if the giant doesn't come across like a monster when he does his moments Everything Flair does is wasted. But Ric Flair here is just an absolute star. And you can see why the guy was world champion as many times as he was. And he made so many names all over the business in the 80s and and 90s and so on.
0: And he's doing it here, making the giant. That's a great way of saying that, sir. He is making the giant because we've seen the giant in, giant in some terrible things like him getting killed, um, him just brawling with Loch Ness or <laughs> something like that, doing stupid stuff about Andre the Giant's son. But he is being made here. I feel like this is almost like erasing all of that bad stuff we've seen, but hopefully it will last.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, taking us out of it for a moment, we have an announcement from Bischoff that WCW is going to do something for the first time ever, never been done before. uh, And that's what they make their name on apparently. And the announcement of the first ever Hogwild pay-per-view is is brought forward by Eric Bischoff at the Sturgis motorcycle rally. And he announces that there's going to be a quarter of a million of your favorite Harley Davidson riders and you on pay-per-view. So interesting. But yes, that's uh, coming up in August for us. I mean, the Giants at one point then catches Ric Flair off. He jumps off the top rope. It was almost cross body effort, and the Giant just catches him and doesn't even move. And Flair's not a small feather. That was impressive. Um, that was really then, cool. Oh, yeah. It was so strong, wasn't it? Uh, we then obviously get the, the mist splash from the top and the flying over the corner and all that. But then we get a little bit more of old school Ric Flair heel shit that again works because he has spent every moment of the match up till now being unable to get the better of his bigger opponent. So he has to take shortcuts. So whilst Miss Elizabeth distracts the referee woman gets some wire to Ric Flair. I think they said it's piano wire or something. They said, um, called. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is used to choke the giant. uh, It's used various occasions. Woman chokes the giant at one point. Uh, Flair does it a few different times when the referee is distracted. But then we get one of the best, I suppose, short visuals I think we've had so far with regards to Nitro. The Giant is on his knees and almost as tall as Ric Flair, who is actually, to be fair, Ric Flair is squatting slightly. His legs are apart and he's squatting slightly to sort of throw some punches. But they're almost at the same height. And Flair is hammering down on the giant with those brilliantly convincing punches. And then every now and again, the giant will just literally push him away, like like swatting away a fly and Flair bumps like a madman, just from a tiny push, jumps back up and carries on throwing punches at the giant again. And it really did feel like the the smaller guy trying to chop down the massive Oak tree he was facing. And so I thought this was incredibly effective.
0: This goes back to Rick Flair, Almost, I don't want to say he has no ego, but he has less of an ego than someone like Hulk Hogan because he is definitely, as you said, bumping his ass off for the giant, especially with the giant on his knees. It was like, wow, Ric Flair should be like dominating this. But no, he's actually selling really, really well. And as I said earlier, it just feels like they're putting the um, rocket to um, the giant here.
1: I think that's a really good point there when you make the comparison with Hogan. Because Hogan, Hogan in the build-up to some of the the giant Hogan matches and, and bits and bobs we've seen already, he tends to. We tend to always come away from those segments with Hogan standing, looking strong. Apart from a couple that then build towards the match, where Hogan will be a bit like, "Okay, I'm I'm concerned about this." Then the match itself arrives, and Hogan will do a bit of the shoulder barge bumping that we saw flair do and then he'll get into his usual shtick of big boot and try and slam the guy can't quite do it eventually he does slam the guy and hulkamania reigns supreme he hulks up and doesn't sell the giants offense whatever that to me is about making hulk hogan what rick flair here is doing to me is about what's best for business because he's making the giant look good whereas hogan would make himself look good that it just it, making that direct I'm not saying that's constantly the the same situation throughout like their whole careers but just make you know discussing that direct comparison you just made I think that's quite a difference
0: definitely it's, it's just like what's going to be more memorable is it going to be Hulk Hogan doing another beat down that we've seen 17 times or is it going to be <laughs> Rick here where we're just really enjoying this match where Ric Flair is making the giant this is more memorable to me
1: yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. I'd happily go back and watch this match again. It was that good. Uh, eventually, we get a low blow by Flair when Elizabeth is distracting the referee. But then the giant throws Flair off the top rope, gets him in a choke slam, hits him with the choke slam. But before he can make the cover, Arn Anderson runs down hit then this is just fantastic as well hits the giant with a chair as he's doing that kevin sullivan is entering the ring he takes the chair off on anderson the giant turns around and arn does his best little innocent boy look on his face points at sullivan and went oh it was him mate oh it was so good I really enjoyed that that was really really a cool moment <laughs> but sullivan gets a choke slam the giant believes it was him and he choke slams him so is that the end of that partnership now Please God, <laughs> <laughs> I mean Arn Anderson then gets choke slammed. Everyone gets a choke slam. Uh, Jimmy Hart's in trying to stop the giants attacking people. Liz and woman are rolling Ric Flair out the ring. It's all gone a bit messy. The match is thrown out as a no contest. That's effectively the end of the episode of Nitro there. But again, I'm thinking, okay, so what happens next? Arn and Sullivan are supposed to be partnering in a tag team match next week but they obviously aren't getting along as what we've just seen is the giant still on board with sullivan after or is Su- sullivan maybe pissed at the giant for taking the chokeslam flair is the world champion but savage is after him the giant obviously is going to want a rematch because of how this match ended what's going on with luger and sting so much here that makes me just go i cannot wait to see next week's nitro but you haven't asked the most important question sir oh what's that my friend what is the booty man going to be doing
0: next week? <laughs> oh, fuck off, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you made uh, some great points there. It was like this, for the, the chaotic en- uh, ending that had, it left you with multiple questions and wanting to know what's going to happen next week. So you definitely tuned in because there wasn't a happy ending here. This was chaotic. The match was thrown out. Eric Bischoff was having a panic attack on on, uh, on the cons <laughs> <laughs> and you you just left there about seven questions like oh man I've got to see what happens next week so yeah it, it definitely did its job
1: yes indeed indeed very very good um, I suppose we better get to our ratings as well so we'll start off by before we give it our overall summary and rating we'll give our plus points and our negatives uh, our woos and our o brothers woo
0: Brother, 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 brothers, brother, woo!
1: Brother. Danny, first or second, my friend? I'll go first this week, sir. Go ahead, bud. So
0: for my woo this week, it would have to be the way that the giant was booked because, as I said earlier, I mean, it was just everything that we'd seen. I don't want to say it was erased, him getting murdered and things like that, but (laughs) he was a a totally different person. I mean, they've really, really put something into him since the Loch Ness feud began and it was showcased here immediately
1: mm, that's a great show that's a great show uh, my woo was almost the same thing was almost the main event and flair's performance but i laughed so hard at lex luger pretending to be pally with the fans when Sting was looking and then being a miserable bastard every time Sting turned around. Now, that's my woo for this week. Lex Luger's character work is was just gold. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, what about your old brother, mate? What did you dislike?
0: To the surprise of nobody, it would be the Booty Man versus Disco Inferno <laughs> because this, it just felt out of place. This felt like a Saturday night match rather than a Nitro match.
1: Yeah, spot on. I've got exactly the same thing. The Booty Man and that. It's, uh, I mean, to me, it doesn't need to be on television here. I'm not saying don't put them out there on television sometimes. I'm not saying don't have this match on an episode of Nitro at some point. But on this show, you've got a lot going on. You've got a lot going on. You've got that opener to get Savage on the card. You've got, and obviously then, you know, the stuff with Savage running through the show. So there's a purpose for that you've got the US title match. So that's for a championship. There's a purpose for that. JL came out of that match looking very good. And he's obviously gaining momentum in the, in the cruiserweight tournaments. They keep discussing the tag team match. We get more there with regards to Sting and Luger. So that makes sense going into television next week, the main event world championship match. So many questions as, as we mentioned, Danny going into next week as well, all makes a lot of sense. It was entertaining television and it gets us to look at want to look at next week booty man versus disco inferno to me what was the point
0: what was the point you could say it was a buffer match just to to break up the seriousness of the matches but they've had they have so many other wrestlers that could have wrestled disco inferno (laughs) instead
1: Mm. (laughs) i mean this this feels
0: like hulk hogan's not here so i've got to get my friends on the show brother
1: (laughs) yeah no I get that I get that mate um yeah so that, that's that's my old brother as well the booty man it just wasn't necessary to drop that match g- tell you what give the booty man a thirty second promo because the guy yeah. whether, we, whether we like him or not, the guy he can talk to a degree give him a 30 second promo alongside Kimberly that'll get exactly the same output as the match that we just watched did take that extra three four minutes, give it to flare giant. Give it to Sting, yes. Luger, and the American Males. We don't need to have him wrestling here. A promo, or an interview, or a little vignette package would have worked just as well to get the point across that oh yeah, the Booty Man and Kimberly are still a thing.
0: Definitely, but that's what I wasn't.
1: that's all, that's what we took out of it, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it really was. It
1: was like. Uh, the most highlight of the match was
0: her slapping um, Booty Man's ass. So, like that was the 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 <laughs> thing about it at all. So you're right. Where was you in 1996? Sir, you should have been booking this stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was uh, sitting in my GCSEs, my friend, and not doing very well at all. Um, <laughs> there we go. Then uh, I'm I'm going to assume that we're both on the same page with this one. But let's just uh, test the waters. Hit, miss, or middling, my friend. Oh, big hit this week, sir, because it was just a lot on and it was
0: fantastic. And it just flew by, didn't it?
1: It did. It was so good. There was so much there. I mean, it's a hit for me as well, to the surprise of absolutely nobody. So much going on. Brilliant character work by the guys. I mean, Flair, Luger, Sting, just everyone. Just so. Arn Anderson was on your television for two minutes and he was fantastic for those two minutes. The look of innocence pointing at Sullivan with the chair. And just, oh, it was so good. What an episode of Nitro. This was superb. Really, really enjoyed it. And it makes me look forward to next week's show.
0: Definitely, mate. I thought to myself just there, maybe the fact that we've both given it his because there's no Hulk Hogan on this show.
1: <laughs> well, apparently that changes next week because Bischoff announces Hogan will be back next week. So let's see how that fares when we get round to it. Speaking of next week, however... As mentioned at the top of the show, this episode of Nitro Nights is with you a few days late and we hugely apologise for that. Uh, Real life sometimes gets in the way. To make up for that, you will be receiving a bonus episode at some point. If you have any suggestions, tweet the show at Nitro underscore Nights. Danny and I have a couple of ideas, but we're going to wait and see what other people suggest as well. But you will be receiving a bonus episode similar to the last time we missed a week of Nitro Nights by way of apology and your next edition of Nitro Nights will be with you. As always, on our usual Thursday day slot on SJP World Media. Danny, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you online?
0: Yep, you can definitely find me on uh, Twitter at ScottishJuggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Meet with the great Chris Bellis. Uh, You can hear me on Back When with the great Ty Peters. And you can hear me here next week where we'll be talking about the return in Hulk Hogan with the great Siobhan Powell.
1: The return in Hulk Hogan. Oh God. Okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to this month's Back When with you and Tyler Peters as well. Being Halloween month this week, Danny and Tyler are going to be covering Back When the original Halloween movie was released. So really excited about that one. That should be with you before the end of the month. Uh, But you can follow me online at SJP Words. But most importantly, you can follow the network at SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter. Check us a follow there. Subscribe to all the things you need to subscribe to, the YouTube channel and all that good stuff uh, to keep up to date with everything that we release. And that is, for example, Back When with Danny and Tyler. That is obviously Nitro Nights here. If you're a fan of this look-back format, We also cover the black and gold era of NXT with NXT rise and fall with the incredibly informative Joshua Goodwin, the King himself, pro wrestler there. Uh, A little insight from Joshua every week with regards to what little things are happening in the ring that, you know, people who haven't necessarily wrestled themselves, who aren't as clued up, such as myself, always finds fascinating. It's a really insightful show. We have chain wrestling as well, live on a Monday, the podcast comes out on a Wednesday. Uh, a couple of shows looking at modern day WWE in the corner with Benny Mack and Tyler Peters guesting on there fairly regular and also regularly scheduled hostilities from the States who I was a guest on this week. So go and check out that with their extreme rules review I Had a great time talking to the trio from the States there. Uh, if dr who's your thing dan griffin and i cover that if quantum leaps your thing benny mac and i look through that there's so many shows that the network has just go and check them all out and follow them uh, at sjp world media on all your podcast players as well subscribe to the network so you do not miss an episode but most importantly you can follow this show on facebook and twitter at nitro underscore nights that's at nitro underscore nights danny next week the return of the hulkster Let's see what we get. Red and yellow all day, sir. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a blast, my friend. Looking forward to talking to you next week. Take care, mate. And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the micro in question. Oh, hang on a sec. I don't know if you can see this, Danny. There's a fucking great spider crawling around on my thing.
0: Oh, Christ. Oh.
1: <laughs> go on. Off you go. Go on. <laughs> hey, he's gone, mate. Okay. He was just crawling <laughs> across the sponge.
0: Yeah, he was just crawling <laughs> across the
1: sponge on the, the side of the, like, the, the, the proof and shit oh. on the wall. Oh, my God. I and mean, to be honest, I haven't thought that through because I've just thrown him away, and this is my bedroom. <laughs> so, <laughs> <He'll> be <back. laughs> yeah, you'll probably come and join me in the middle of the night. Yeah. Okay, no worries. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that again. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs>